You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Just pray that your word would speak powerfully as it always does, that you say that when you speak, your words never return void, and I pray that would be true tonight, that wherever we're at, whether we don't want to be here, we got dragged here, we come here every week, maybe this is a routine, maybe we love your presence, God, I pray that you would just divinely meet us where every person is at, Lord, and I pray that um, we would be closer to you because of it, in your name, amen. Okay, so... We've all heard this saying, you guys maybe can finish it for me, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Okay, so for those of you who know me, um, when I got out of high school, my first job uh, was where? Does anybody remember where my first job was? No, it was uh, a pancake place. It was at IHOP. Okay, so... My dad told me the day after I graduated that I needed, well, a, week, two, a few weeks before I graduated, that I needed to go find a job because now I was an adult. So I went to go to a bunch of different places and I was applying and the only job that like accepted me was IHOP, which was like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that was my first job. So for those of you who have a job, who has a job right now? Who has a job who works? <laughs> if... Congrats, congrats. If you have a job, if you have a job and you're in high school, a lot of you may have, on your first paycheck, felt like you were the richest person in the world now. That you can now afford lunch without asking for your parents' money. Um, You can buy those pair of shoes, maybe, after a few paychecks or whatever. But you kind of don't really think about saving it. You're like, I'm young. I don't need to save now. Retirement's way, way, way in the future. Or even like college stuff. You're not thinking about it. So my mentality when I was working at IHOP first few months was just spending my money however I wanted to. And though I wasn't saving for anything in particular, um, my parents were going to pay for school. I went to Cal Poly, so it's pretty cheap anyways. Um, But I wasn't thinking about the future. So what I did was I was very generous to people. I would say, hey, you five friends, do you want to go to lunch? I'm buying. Like, (laughs) that was awesome, right? Everyone wanted to be my friend, except I was just blowing through money like crazy, uh, the money that I did make. So one day, it was after church. I went to a different church before I came here. And um, I asked my friend if she wanted to come to lunch with me. And, of course, I was going to buy, right? I was going to buy our lunch. And so we went to lunch, and then we went to Cold Stone after. I don't know if you like Cold Stone. It's my jam. It's really expensive, but it's delicious. So we went to go get lunch. Then we went to Cold Stone. And mind you, during this time in my life, I was kind of eating junk food all the time because now I had money to spend to go buy food. So it wasn't really that great of a choice anyways. But as we're coming out of the parking lot, we had lunch. We're coming out of the parking lot. And she's in the passenger seat, and I'm turning out of the, um, of the driveway, and I look 
to my right and left like a bazillion times. Don't see anybody coming. I turn right or I look right and then I turn left and someone hits me right on the driver's side. And if you've ever been in a car accident, which I hope you never have or never will be, but if you have, you feel like your life just flashes before your eyes. Like, oh my goodness, what just happened? You want to hit pause, rewind, all this stuff. I know Ava's laughing because that just happened to her. Um, and I say, but what happened to me that day was something hit me. I came to my senses. I realized, you know what? Um, I actually, my car didn't have that much damage, but you couldn't open the hood. So the insurance company deemed it totaled, which means they're only going to give you a certain amount for it. So basically, I had to get a new car. And I don't know what it is with me and new cars. Um, but I had to get a new car. And I didn't have hardly any money saved because I didn't think I needed to have anything saved. So from that day forward, I realized, you know what, just because I can spend all this money doesn't mean I necessarily should. Just because I have the freedom to do something doesn't mean I have the right or it is responsible or wise to do it. So how in the world does that have to do with our Christian walk? Um, we're going to be in Galatians 5 today, and we're going to start in verse 13. So we're going to read the first verse and kind of unpack where Paul is going in this. So in Philipp uh, Philippians, Galatians 5, 13, Paul says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So the main point, we're going to have three main points as we go through these passages. The first main point is this. If you have a pen, write this down. Main point number one is use your freedom wisely. Number one is use your freedom wisely. So you have a pen, write that down as the first point. Use your freedom wisely. So in the previous Wednesdays, Eric has kind of unpacked what this idea of freedom in Christ looks like. But when I read this passage, when he says, you are called to freedom, but don't use it for an opportunity for the flesh, what does that mean? It sounds kind of strange for some of us who have never heard that phrase before, the flesh. That just sounds kind of weird. What he's talking about is he's saying, you were called for more. You were called for greater things. You were called to live in Christ and before you knew Christ, you were actually a slave to your sin. So you didn't have a choice to have victory over sin. You were just a slave to it. But now that you know Christ, you're no longer a slave. So why would you go back to that kind of life of slavery? He's saying you have this freedom to live in Christ, so don't go back to it. Just because you can have victory over sin doesn't mean you should tempt God in, in that. Um, so he goes on. He says in verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. As I was reading that, I thought that's weird that he would kind of put those things together. So when I was looking at this, I felt like the most reasonable explanation was when he's saying just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Usually when we have freedom to do something, we kind of don't do the wisest thing. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, uh, my parents really were not very strict on me. I never got grounded. Some of you were like, wow, I get grounded every weekend. Where are your parents? Uh, I want them instead of mine. Um, I never really got in trouble in high school, but they did give me a lot of freedom. They didn't really check in on me. There was one day I remember when I was a senior in high school, and um, one of my friends, Blake, his last name is Wigglesworth. 
which is kind of hard to forget. So last name is Wigglesworth. We were like friends when we were really, really, really young. Uh, we didn't go to the same junior high, but we reconnected in high school, and my parents knew his parents. So one day, we were actually leading Christian club together in high school. One day, we had a hangout at his house, and I was there until midnight. I left my phone in the car, uh, and some of you are getting, like, um, PTSD thinking about that because you've left your phone knowing your parents are going to call you, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, they're going to... Kill me if you don't answer. Um, so I left my phone in the car. It was midnight, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get so many calls from my parents. They're going to be wondering where I am. It was just me and him at his house, and he was fine and everything. But I thought they were going to call me. I look at my phone all nervous, and they didn't send me anything. <laughs> they didn't send me anything. They didn't ask anything. Um, but I realized that they gave me a lot of freedom that I could kind of do what I wanted with it. But in this passage, Paul is saying, just because you have freedom, sometimes we use it for ourselves. We use it, like, like he says, for the flesh to do these things, which we'll go into in the next few verses. But he's saying, the whole law is fulfilled in this, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So with the freedom you have in Christ, don't just say, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, and I'm going to live for myself. It's a matter of walking with the Spirit, which we'll also look at, but also thinking about what is the best for those around me? How do my actions affect other people? So then he goes on to say in verse 16, so how can we make sure we're exercising our freedom in a manner worthy of Christ? In verse 16, Paul says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That doesn't really sound like something I want to listen to, right? Um, if someone is telling me, do this, and I don't want to do it, I'm probably not going to do it. But what if that's better for me? I was thinking of this analogy. I really like donuts. Um, I don't eat them all the time, but I really like donuts. And if someone just told me, hey, why don't you have a donut every day? You, you love donuts. What's the worst that could happen? Like, just have a donut every day. Have as many as you want. And if I listen to them, one, sure, I'm doing what I want to do. I like donuts. I want to eat donuts. But then after a few weeks and months and maybe years go by, um, <laughs> I'm going to see the consequences of that. I'm not going to feel good. My clothes probably won't fit as well, depending on how many donuts I'm eating. And I'm not, that's not really what's best for me. Sometimes we live in this idea that just because something is good and fun for us in that moment, that it's actually best for us. But in a lot of cases, what we really want to do is actually just please ourselves. And when we just please ourselves, usually we hurt the people around us, but we also hurt God when we just are selfish. But he says, walk by the Spirit. So I remember a lot of times in my life where I didn't really walk by the Spirit. And what he's saying, or what he means when he says walk by the Spirit, he's saying walk according to what God wants in your life. He's saying walk according to what God wants in your life. So we hear about the Holy Spirit in church, but some of us are like, okay, how does, how does the Holy Spirit fit in my life? Where is he? Apparently he lives inside of me. Jesus said, when I leave this earth, I will actually send you someone better than myself. Because Jesus, when he walked the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. 
But he says, I will leave you the helper. I will leave you the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever to guide you, to counsel you, and to teach you how to live. So when he's saying walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you listen to the Spirit of God in you, if you do follow Christ, then you're not going to have so many losing battles with sin. And I want to share this one example. Um, This pertains to probably a lot of people in here. It might poke you a little bit. Um, When I was a freshman in high school, there was uh, my friend's brother that I had a crush on. Now, that's already a bad start, right? (laughs) Your friend's brother. Um, Now, when I was a freshman, I was not really following the Lord yet. I didn't really care if I dated someone who wasn't a Christian. Um, I wasn't really allowed to date anyways until I was 16. But I was like, hey, well, my friend's brother's pretty cute. He was, uh, she, my friend was on my soccer team in high school. He also played soccer. He was really good, added to his, like, cool points. And so um, I really liked him. And uh, his family was Catholic. Nothing wrong with being Catholic, but he was not following God in the way that at least my parents wanted him to. And the way I, I, de- I also did as well. Just didn't know it at the time. So he was cute, he played soccer, I really liked him. But the biggest characteristic that was missing in him was really his love for the Lord. He just didn't have it. Um, A lot of people can be practicing Catholics, but a lot of people can just say, yeah, I'm Catholic and never go to Mass or never really believe that Jesus is their Savior. But it didn't really bother me at the time. He asked me to be his girlfriend, I told my parents, and they're like, what, you can't even date yet, and he's not even a Christian? They got really mad at me, and I didn't really know why. But in that season of life, if I had been walking by the Spirit, then I would have felt this conviction of, you know what, something's just not right. And this is kind of a side note. And some of you may not like this, and that's okay, because sometimes we have to be confronted by things. But if you are dating someone, if you are in here and you follow Christ, and you want to date someone who does not, that relationship will not turn out very good. Now, I know some people who have dated, you know, Christian, non-Christian, the non-Christian accepts Christ, and they're super awesome couple. But I also know couples who are fighting um, in their marriage, who are struggling, who are not sure if they should have children yet because they don't agree on what religion they should raise their child in. So when you're 15 and 16 and 17, you don't think about those things later on. But the person that you're dating now, if they don't love the Lord now, then you shouldn't be dating them. And... They may have wonderful qualities. They may be really nice. Your parents may like them. But if they're not following Christ the way that you are, if they're not close with God, then it's just not going to work. So that's a total side note. But again, Paul is saying the desires of your flesh, the things you want to do, are actually opposed to the things that God wants you to do. So how do I know that if, how do I say this? If the Spirit is the one helping us choose these things, if the Spirit of God is in us, how do we still end up making the wrong choices? Because I don't know about you, but even though I follow Christ, I still end up in the wrong places. So how does that happen? It happens when we ignore his voice. When we ignore his voice, we go our own way, we kind of end up in a lot of bad situations. So how do I know when I'm not walking by the Spirit? In verse 18, Paul says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That basically means you are living by faith. You're not trying to be righteous before God anymore. If you're led by the Spirit, you are now holy before God. But he says this in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. 
This is the works of my sin. He gives this huge list. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What sticks out to me the most in this is verse 21 when he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So just pause for a second and ask yourself this. Am I willingly practicing any of these qualities? Am I willingly practicing sexual morality? Am I willingly practicing jealousy? Do I know that I'm jealous of other people but I don't do anything about it? Am I willingly envious of other people? Am I willingly angry and I don't do anything about it? Am I willingly getting drunk and I don't care? Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that if you do such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does he mean? He says, if you are doing these things, you are disobeying God intentionally, that you are not living by the spirit, you are living by your flesh, and you are enjoying this. He says, you're not going to heaven. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what I love is that there are some of you in here who may have done those things. You may have been sexually impure. You may have had fits of anger. You may have had such a past that if you shared up here, we wouldn't believe you because it is filled with so much pain and brokenness and regret. But Paul says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not those who have done such things. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he kind of reiterates this. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, which means you were made holy, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. What is he saying? He's saying some of you were like that. He's saying some of you used to have this life, that you have regrets, with R-A-G, regrets. Uh, and you may never want to think about being right with God because you think God can't love me anymore. How can I come before a holy God when he knows all of my brokenness? But the thing is, as a follower of Christ, I'm not defined by my past anymore. And you may hear this every single week at HSM, but I pray that it would actually sink into your hearts that you are not defined by what you've done. You are defined by what Christ says about you. And if tonight you're sitting here and you're saying, I want to restart. I need, I just, I want God to erase all the past and I want to start anew. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every single day. That means today. You don't have to go to camp to experience Jesus. You don't have to go to camp. You don't have to have this super emotional weekend to experience God's love in your hearts, to have your lives radically changed by him. That my life is changed day after day when I spend time in the word on my own, when it's just me and God. Sometimes we just need to get rid of all the distractions and say, Jesus, you are more than enough for me. 
I don't need to be on my phone right now. I don't need to talk to this person. Just you and God, because at the end of your life, guess what? It's going to be you standing face to face with God, and there will be no more cell phone. There will be no more boyfriend or girlfriend. It will just be you. And I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I have this, this idea for my life. And if today is the last day that I live, then so be it. This is, this, is my, this is what I want my life to be like. I kind of imagine myself running through this, like, flowery field. And it sounds kind of weird, but if you've guys seen the sound, the sound of music, it's like when she's singing in the hills and everything. I picture this kind of flowery field, but I picture at the end there are, like, these two mountains, just kind of this mountain range. And there's, like, this end goal that I'm supposed to get to. And I picture myself just running through this field, that the end goal is Jesus, that I'm just running through this field, but I'm not running by myself. There are people around me who are running with me, but there are also people standing in the field. And these people represent people that do not know Jesus. And it's my job to run and to grab them and bring them with me. And I kind of picture myself coming to the end of this journey and I just look back and I think of all the things that God did in me, of all the things that, that God did through me to reach other people, that my life is not my own. And if I belong to Christ, that means I can't just live for myself, that I've been called to freedom and so I have to live in his freedom, not just to do what I wanna do, but I look back on my life and I can see all these people who are coming with me to heaven because I chose to run after Jesus, keeping my eyes fixed on him, and now all these people get to come to heaven with me. And I picture myself looking back and kind of, again, looking forward and I'm right at the edge of this end goal, whatever you want to call it, this mountain where Jesus is, and I kind of take one step forward, and then I'm in eternity, <laughs> bless you, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, like, think about these, like, random things all the time. I felt like God just kind of gave me this beautiful picture, and sometimes I think we just kind of live our lives thinking someday we will be this kind of person. We kind of have an idea in our lives who we want to be, who we think people want us to be, who we should be in our parents' eyes, our friends' eyes. Maybe we're just disappointed in ourselves. But I'm encouraging you today to just wake up, to wake up from this this life of just cruising through and to start living intentionally, knowing that there is an end goal in your life, that you will stand before God whether you know him or you don't. And if you do know him, you will experience paradise. And if you don't know him, you will experience hell where God is not, where the presence of God is separated from. But if you, if you follow Jesus, if you say, Jesus, you have died for my sins, I know that you paid the punishment for my sins, there is supposed to be this joy that comes from that, knowing that you've been ransomed, that you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into his light. And for some of you in here, the Spirit may not be guiding your lives. You may be Christians, but you don't look anything like Christ. And that's not how it should be. But the beauty is that Paul says, such were some of you, but now you have been sanctified, you've been washed, you've been justified. That there is always a new beginning when you want to repent and come to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. That the old life has passed away, the new life has come. So if that is you tonight, what the Bible says is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And from that declaration, you are now transferred from the kingdom of darkness into his light. When you enter into eternity, you enter into paradise with him, that your sins are forgiven. And it's not just so that your sins are forgiven. It's so that you can run after him and bring others with you. Because he says the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're excited that you get to go to heaven, you can't help but tell other people about it. So if I am truly following Christ, I know what it looks like when I'm not. I know that the works of the flesh are evident. All those things that I listed, sexual morality, enmity, enmity, strife, all those things. But if I'm truly following Christ, what should my life look like? How do I know I'm letting the Spirit lead me? In verse 22... We probably all have this in our uh, Bible app somewhere. Maybe we see this on, um, Ryan Holland likes to say, a little Thomas Kincaid painting. Um, it's everywhere. And it says this, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What he's saying here is that if you walk with Christ, Christ says, when I leave, I will give you the helper. I will give you the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And when you have the Spirit of God in you, he takes over your life. And this is what your life exhibits. Love and joy and peace and all these things. But some of you may be looking at that list and think, I need to work on a lot of those things, right? I'm not patient. Um, I'm not gentle. I don't have self-control. Maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you, you don't have any joy. The beauty is that we're not supposed to be fully mature in all these things. That's why we have a lot of our lives to go. That it's a whole process of becoming like Christ, of letting the Spirit lead us. But if we do have the Spirit of God in us, then we should exhibit these qualities. And if we don't exhibit any of these, then that's a good place to start and say, hey, why, why am I not loving? Why am I not joyful? To start being self-reflective and think about those things. Um, it's always good to, to think about why you do the things you do because it will not only save you, but it will help the people around you because you're more self-aware. Um, so as we finish up, so the second, um, I didn't mention the second point, but the first point was use your freedom wisely. The second point is don't let the wrong side win. The second point is don't let the wrong side win. And that's talking about how there's this battle between what we want to do but what the Spirit of God wants us to do. And the last point is this. Let the Spirit control your lives. Main point number three is let the Spirit control your lives. As we finish this, we're going to finish the last two verses in Galatians 5. And so in verse 25, Paul says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Do you see how he's combining these two things? If you live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and also be kind to those around you. Don't provoke those around you. That, that Jesus says, love God, love others, you fulfilled the entire law. So when you love God, you are walking by the Spirit. You are letting the Spirit of God lead you. How do I know the Spirit's voice? How do I know what he's saying to me? It's in this book. 
That's how you know what he says. But there's another um, translation that says, instead of if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. It says, let the Spirit guide everything you do. So that means if you have a conflict with a friend. Sometimes I, I feel like we think that just because there's an issue with someone maybe outside of church, that we don't have to act very Christ-like towards them because they don't see us when we're at church. They don't know our reputation. We can just gossip about them. We can do all these things. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, let the Spirit guide everything you do, whether you have a conflict, whether you're in pain, whether you are joyful, whether you have a victory or a defeat. Let the Spirit guide your actions. You cannot control what other people do around you. You just can't. Some of you in here have parents who are not good parents. They're not. That's okay. Some of you have friends who are terrible friends, and you don't have anyone else that you can hang out with at school. We always say find good friends, you know, all this stuff, but maybe you're thinking, you know what, I just, I don't have good friends. You can never control what people do around you, but you can always control how you respond to them. That sometimes God doesn't change our circumstances, but he changes how we view them. So he says, let the spirit control your lives. So my last question to you tonight is, really, who is the spirit to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is God to you? Some of you may say that he is Lord, but I want you to really think, is he the Lord of your life? Does he really take control over how you make your decisions, how you talk to your parents, how you act around your friends, how you choose to live your life when no one is watching? Is Jesus just a name that you say when you're frustrated? Is Jesus your savior? Is he... Is he Lord? C.S. Lewis says, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. He claimed to be the son of God. If I claim to be God, I'm either crazy, right? I'm either crazy, I'm lying, or I actually am. And Jesus proved it by predicting his death and resurrection and actually pulling it off. And so my question for you guys is, as we finish this, as we talk about living in freedom, not using the freedom we have to not sin as an excuse to go back to our old way of life as we look at what the works of our sin nature are, the sexual morality, strife, fits of anger, all these things, versus how our life should look if the Spirit is leading. All of these things point us back to Jesus. All of these things point us back to the fact that when there is someone else guiding our lives, it looks a whole lot different than when we are in control. So as we finish our time together, I just want to give one practical piece of advice. Sometimes we go to church and we hear all these things and we hear all these points and stuff, and we're left feeling like, yeah, that was cool, but what do I do? How does this work? Um, when I was in high school, I was living in this cycle of, I really love God but I fall into sin, I feel really bad, so I'm just gonna work harder. I really love God, I fall into sin, feel really bad, I work harder, and it was this continuous cycle. But how can we stop that cycle? For some of you in here, you've been living in this cycle of like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with this, and it seems like you're just always struggling with it. And sometimes we will have struggles for the rest of our lives, but there should be small victories here and there. So how do we stop this cycle and live this life that God wants us to live, leading, letting the Spirit lead us. I would, this is my practical piece of advice. 
Have something in front of you. Have a piece of paper tonight, tomorrow, and write down a list of things that you love. Could be um, anything, uh, an object, a person, a place, um, something that is things that are dear to you in life. And one by one, go through these things and think, would I give this up for Jesus? Would I give this up for Jesus? If, my, if God took my parents away, would I still love God? If I didn't have this in my life, would I still love God? Do I love Jesus more than my boyfriend or girlfriend or my popularity or my status? And if you find yourself struggling, that's where you know God is, is trying to tell you something. He's trying to get you to work on something. So is there anything you would not give up in order to have Jesus? When we practice trusting him, we begin to look more like him and we let the spirit control our lives. And when he takes over, you guys, there's this freedom that comes from truly following the Lord. And if there's anything I can say, it's that I've lived for 24 years. It's not very long. But what I've learned in the last five or six years of my real adult life is that you can... You can fake things really well to the people around you. And you may have been faking this whole time with your small group, with your small group leader. You may be acting like you're okay, like you really do love God. But are there things hiding in your life that are preventing you from truly following him? Because those don't just go away. We can't run away from our problems. We either run away and they grow, or we run away and they come after us. So I would encourage you, if that is you tonight, be honest in your small groups tonight. Back what is letting holding... the Spirit guide your life? Is there anything that you love more than Jesus that's preventing him from actually taking the rightful place he has? Because there's no room in our hearts for anything else when there's an infinite God who wants to take that place. And so that's just how I want to wrap up our time. So let's pray and we'll get into small groups. Lord, thank you again for just your word that speaks so much truth into our lives. And I pray that we would feel encouraged and convicted and just learn how to set you at the center. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide our lives, that you control our lives, that we would let you guide everything we do, that we wouldn't use our freedom we have over sin to just keep on sinning, but that we would run to you, that we would walk with you, and that we would exhibit the fruit that your spirit gives us so that we can not only live a great life ourselves, but be a witness to a dying and broken world that there is hope in you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you in your name.